we have looked at the claim that good news is our business throughout this week. We saw on Monday that we are all called to be involved in spreading that good news one way or another. On Tuesday, we looked at what lies at the heart of the Christian good news. On Wednesday, we saw that each of us could do a lot to help one friend to discover that good news for themselves. Yesterday, we offered an opportunity for any who are not quite sure where they stand to take a clear step of commitment to Jesus Christ, and many people did. And if you wished that you had done so yesterday um, and uh, thought, oh dear, I've missed the boat, uh, I will be standing at the bottom of the uh, stairs at the end uh, if you'd like to talk to me. Inevitably, um, the logical theme for today must be, what next? It's all very well to ask the Holy Spirit of Christ to come into our lives, but what then? Well, I want to split that question into two, and I think it'll be helpful to do so. First, how can I be sure I'm a Christian? Second, how can I grow as a Christian? How can I be sure? Isn't it strange? If I ask you, uh, are you an American? Are you married? Are you a Democrat or a Republican? You'd be able to give a clear monosyllabic answer. You'd be just as clear if I asked you, are you a Methodist or a Baptist or an Episcopalian? No problem in answering. But if I look you in the eye and say, are you really a Christian? Then your brow may furrow and you may mumble, I hope so, and decline to return my gaze. It's very odd, isn't it? This uncertainty about whether we're really Christians or not comes from assuming that Christianity is a matter of what we do. And we're not sure if we do enough. So how can we know if we're Christians? We think it's a matter of church going. And we don't know if we go often enough to qualify. We think it's a matter of good deeds. And we're not sure if our character and achievements will pass muster with God. And as a result, lots of people in the churches are very uncertain whether they are Christians or not. And they may tell you that it's actually inappropriate to ask that question. They may say it's, it's actually arrogant to be confident that you're a Christian. But the New Testament, I have to tell you, will have nothing to do with that. It tells us that the gift of God is eternal life. That it comes from his gracious generosity and has nothing to do with our fancied goodness or achievements. By grace you have been saved, through trust in Christ, says the Apostle, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Wouldn't it be terrible if heaven was populated with people with their thumbs in their waistcoats saying, three cheers for me, aren't I marvellous? Heaven would be hell under those circumstances. It's by grace, it's by his generosity that we come, if we come at all. You don't strut around boasting about your Christmas presents. You say a profound thank you to the giver, 
knowing that he would not be so perverse as to give you a present and then to tell you that you couldn't be sure that it's yours. The first letter of John is all about this subject. And in chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, it tells us that God has given us this solemn testimony. God has given to us eternal life. This life is in His Son. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Whatever else he may have. Now you couldn't put it clearer than that. Yesterday we thought of welcoming the Spirit of Jesus Christ the Son of God into our lives. And many took that step. If we have done that, then we have the first installment of eternal life. We don't have to wait for it. We have it. He who has the Son has life. And if we haven't welcomed Him into our lives yet, we do not have that first installment of eternal life. Such is the word of God the Father to assure us that we belong. But that same little letter of John points us not only to the word of the Father, but the work of God the Son. In chapter 2, verse 2, it says Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. He has paid our debts and they will never be raised against us again. He has shouldered our load of guilt and we'll never have to carry it. It's gone. So the word of God the Father and the work of God the Son on the cross combine to assure us that we are accepted. We are in the family if we have put our trust personally in Jesus Christ. And as if that was not enough, God the Holy Spirit takes a hand in our assurance. Chapter 3, verse 24 of 1 John reads, We know that He lives in us by His Spirit that He has given us. And how does the Spirit make Himself known in the believer? Well, this little letter of John shows us all sorts of ways. It's a gold mine. Go away and read it. He does it by giving us a new sense of pardon, a new desire to please God that we didn't have before, a new love for brother Christians, a new concern for people in need, a new power over temptation, a new joy and confidence, a new experience of answered prayer. Those are some of the marks of the Spirit's work in the life of the believer. So, to remember this, and you may need it in times of discouragement, there are three W's to assure you that you belong. The Word of the Father, the work of the Son, and the witness of the Holy Spirit. The whole Trinity is concerned to assure the Christian that he or she belongs and will never be kicked out. There's my first question. Can I be sure? Are you with me? I see a few heads wagging. Let's have a few more. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll move on to the second question then. How can I grow? 
When we welcome God's Spirit into our lives, it is nothing less than a new birth, so the Bible tells us. And it's wonderful to have this new life, but it needs to develop. We need to grow. Isn't it sad to see someone who's still only three feet tall when they're grown up? They're a dwarf. And there's lots of Christian dwarfs around. How can we avoid that in our own lives? Well, the reading we've just had from Acts chapter 2 helps us a lot. Thousands had put their trust in Jesus on that first day of Pentecost. They had welcomed his spirit into their lives. And we are told that God's call to them um, was to repent and to believe. And their response was marked by trusting him and then by the decisive act of baptism, a must for all Christians. And then we are told that they didn't leave it there. They continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Acts 2.42, a very important verse. It gives us four wonderful ways to grow. The apostles' teaching. They had the apostles themselves, of course. We have the apostles' writings. And it is no exaggeration to say that if you do not feed on a portion of those writings regularly, you will not grow. The Bible calls itself spiritual food, amongst other pictures. Milk for the newborn, strong meat for the mature. And without that food, we are going to get thin and eventually wither away. Scripture will shed light on your path will give you moral guidance, will feed your soul, and above all will bring you face to face with Jesus. And if you don't have a regular means of reading the Bible daily, then do see your pastor or get on to the Scripture Union. You can just put Scripture Union online and you'll get it. Uh, it'll actually give you a reading for every day online. The Bible Reading Fellowship, the Upper Room, all of these are ways of taking a bite-sized bit of Scripture, uh, reading it for a few minutes, pondering it, letting it impact you daily. And uh, they're a tremendous help. We simply cannot grow without getting into the Scriptures. The Apostles' teaching... And I'm picking next the prayers because it goes so closely with reading the Bible. Scripture will throw up thoughts that we want to turn into prayer. We shall want to pray not only about the things that we read there, but about the world situation, about the election here in the States, about our dear ones, about those that we long to come to Christ. Had you ever thought of using the Lord's Prayer as a model, not just as a prayer to say, but as a model for your prayers? Our Father, there's the intimacy. Who art in heaven? There's the reverence. May your name be hallowed in this land more and more. May your kingly rule come in the lives of those who don't know you yet. May your will be done 
in my life and that of fellow Christians. Give us, Lord, what we need. We need the bread for our daily lives. Forgive us when we mess it up. Forgive us our trespasses. Oh yes, I've got to forgive Bill, who was such a swine to me yesterday. And lead us not into the place where we're going to fall. Deliver us from the old enemy and from my particular temptations to which I'm so prone. And if I make you the king, give you the kingdom today, Lord, I know you'll give me the power and I promise that I'll give you the glory. What a lovely model that could be for our prayers. They continued in the apostles' teaching and prayers and in their fellowship. Christian fellowship is a great way to grow. We are not meant to live in isolation physically or spiritually. We need each other. Not just in church on Sundays when we generally inspect the back of the neck of the person in front of us. But um, in one of the home meetings that I know abound here uh, in Birmingham. Meetings in homes um, to share news, to pray for one another, to encourage one another. That sort of thing. The early Christians met in homes. And in the relaxation of a home you can find support and laughter, and often food as well. We need the fellowship. If you want to grow, get into small group fellowship. The apostles' teaching and fellowship and prayers, and then there's the breaking of bread, or the Holy Communion, as we call it, or the Eucharist, which means the thank you meal. Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him. And as you come forward alongside other people, on the level with them, no better, no worse, you need the Saviour. You need to receive the sacred emblems of his body broken for you, his blood poured out for you. And your Christian life will be strengthened and your love for your Lord will be rekindled. Those are some of the basic ways to grow. Continue in the Apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. And as you do, I think you'll find one or two things that are mentioned in the last part uh, of the reading we had just now beginning to happen. I think you'll find what are called signs and wonders, marks of the Lord's Presence, amazing God coincidences happening in your life. And like the first Christians, you will want to reach out to those in need. I'm so glad you prayed for those when you were leading our prayers at the beginning. Your heart, like the heart of those first Christians, will be full of praise to God. Praising God and having the goodwill of the people, it says. And you will see what it says here, the Lord day by day adding to your number those who are being saved. May I just interpolate to say that 
if you know that you don't actually qualify to that description, those who are being saved, but you really want to and you want to get it straight and you've missed the opportunity yesterday, uh, do come and have a word with me uh, at the end of this service. I'll give you something and I'd like to take your name too, as I did yesterday, so that we can provide help for people who have taken this step. But to one and all, as I leave this great cathedral, I want my last words to be these. Remember, good news is your business. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we're so full of gratitude that you've come to save us and rescue us from ourselves. Help us not to stand in icy isolation from your love. And we thank you that it's all a gift. The gift of God is eternal life. And that we can be sure that we have it with the word of the Father and the work of the Son and the witness of the Spirit in our lives. And Lord, we want to grow into mature Christians. Thank you for these great ways of Scripture, prayer, fellowship, and the Eucharist, and other ways too in which we can develop our spiritual muscles. Please continue to make this church a light shining in the heart of Birmingham, salt where meat is rotting round about, full of men and women who love you and are confident in you and reach out in your strength to others. And so may the blessing of the living God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon each of you and flow through each of you to those in your circle and acquaintance through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.